This is a CBC Podcast. Hey, I'm Claire Bonnyman. And I'm Ben Dariwal. And welcome to The Loop. So this week, uh, more politics. Is there politics going on? No. Yes. No. Yes. Yeah. We all saw the federal election results from Monday. We're back to a liberal minority, but Alberta Mm. does look a little different. Min, you gave us a federal 411 last week. Uh, Right. What happened? Well, uh, one of the predictions that were uh, talked about last week happened this week, right? Conservatives lost a couple of seats in our province, so Mm -hmm. obviously that made some headlines. And uh, although, you know, it was a slam dunk everywhere else in the province for the Conservatives, the number of votes that went to the PPC party was a huge story in many races. You saw that number. It was not what people expected. Yeah. No, often you talk about the, the votes splitting on the left, and this time it was the other way around. Yeah. So uh, that was a big story. And uh, to the writings where there was change, of course, Edmonton Griesbaugh, Blake Desjardins, yeah. the big winner there. He beat the incumbent, uh, Kerry Diot. I know I was in that writing a week before the election, and I, I think I mentioned on the last cast that Lots I saw a lot signs. of signs. So yeah. clearly that you know had a, a, a big impact, though he takes uh, over that seat, a newcomer for sure, a fresh face, and uh, Edmonton Centre. It took until Wednesday, but uh, former MP Randy Boissonneau will be uh, going back to Ottawa. But what a close race. All three candidates there, right? NDs, Conservatives, and I mean, the fact that it took until Wednesday, right? It was like less than a thousand votes made the call in the end, I think. And you always hear it, right? Cliche, every vote counts. Well, in that writing... That was massive. That was a one uh, that many people had their eyes on. Of course, Mill Woods, a much closer race this time around, but Tim Upple mm-hmm. uh, beat out longtime Councillor Ben Henderson. That took until Tuesday as well. I think there were uh, 3,100 special mail-in ballots that were uh, needed to be counted. A uh, much closer race than 2019. Upple, 38% of the vote. Henderson, 34%. So, very close. Uh, very close. Who knows what happens next time? <laughs> yeah. Maybe it goes the other way. Cool. Edmonton Strathcona, Heather McPherson, uh, she won handedly, and I think she was quoted as saying, She's happy to see she'll have at least one colleague and some new MPs heading to Ottawa with her. So that will certainly be the case. And one of those new MPs will be from Calgary. Outgoing city councillor George Chahal won the seat as the Liberal candidate in the Northeast. uh, The only other one in the province, the Liberal seat that is. And he beat out uh, Conservative Jag Sahota. So uh, Mm a little bit of change, a little bit. But for Alberta, I think that was a big change. Yeah. I mean, you already said the term next time, which uh, made me feel ill. Uh, Not ready for another federal election yet. Maybe don't think about that. It was an interesting evening, though. And then, of course, this week, there's the provincial government had a cabinet shake. Up. Right. There will be much to talk about in the coming forever there. Right. Um, but of course, Edmonton has its own election that's coming up October 18th. Another and one. Another another one. A different one. Though. And things, they look different this time, right? Yes. John Iverson is not running. Um, no. Min, what do you remember about the last municipal election in 2017? Well, I certainly remember uh, Don Iverson winning uh, his position in a landslide. Oh, yeah. Right? I think it was 140,000 votes. The next person uh, had like 13,000. Yeah. So that is a massive margin. I don't think we're going to be seeing that this time around. Probably not. Right? Back then, there was 13 candidates uh, that were running for the job. Councillors-wise, there were three new ones, Tim Cartmel, Sarah Hamilton, and Aaron Paquette. Yes. All have created quite a name for themselves in uh, their first terms. Yes, they have. uh, But this time, of course, sans Don. We've got Sands 10 Dawn. candidates in the running for mayor of Edmonton, um, you know, formal federal MPs in the running, two right. former city councillors, a bunch of business owners, entrepreneurs. But it's also an interesting year because there's a new ward names and boundaries. Uh, Min, what's your new ward? Uh, Pihesawin. Mm. And um, so, yeah, the new ward names are all online if you want to check them out. And uh, yeah, the What's My Word series on cbc.ca slash Edmonton. Right. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you can. How learn. about yours? I'm in Papasteo. 
Okay. Which has been interesting. We don't have an incumbent this time. Um, we've got some interesting candidates to watch. And actually, I do want to note the youngest candidate for a counselor position is in my Excellent. writing, Haruna Lee. So that's kind I of... I think I've seen him online. Yeah. It's, it's, it's been interesting to watch. I mean, I'm saying the word interesting like 5,000 times. Sure. So to that end of it being interesting, um, we're kicking off a new series this week on The Loop. We're teaming up with Edmonton's Next Gen in something that we're calling The Young Vote. Because we're a young city. We are. Almost a third of our population is between the ages of 20 and 40, which uh, kind of made me think for a minute there. Yeah, like, <laughs> that is very young. So, you know, the young vote is weird, I guess. I mean, it's often described as this mass group, but mm-hmm. uh, in a city as diverse as ours and in a group as big as Edmonton's young people, what does the young vote actually mean here leading up to the election? We are digging into that. This week, we have three panelists, and we're breaking apart the idea of the young vote itself and talking about what's on young voters' minds heading into this election. Annika Zepp is the president of Edmonton's Next Gen. Cody McAway is a student at the University of Alberta. And Roger McGay is a research and policy advisor for local city councillor and vice chair of research for Parity Yeg. Excellent. And I uh, want to welcome all three of you, and thank you for taking the time out to, to do this. So, uh very excited to, to kind of get going on this. So let's start with Annika. Uh, for the uninitiated, Annika, what is NextGen? NextGen is a nonprofit in the city of Edmonton. We were previously part of city administration and have recently gone off on our own. Um, and we seek to engage young Edmontonians, vaguely under 40. Uh, if you associate as young, though, we are more than welcoming <laughs> for you. Um, and we want to help those folks, you know, find pathways to impact and influence their city. We have a variety of pathways to do that. Excellent. And yeah, it's I've been involved for seven years. So that means that I'm kind of nearing the top end of what we <laughs> consider to be young, uh, but still engaged and involved nonetheless. And before we really dig into the conversation, can I get you guys to just briefly describe where you sit on the political spectrum? Annika, let's start with you. <laughs> Um, yeah, I would say that I live pretty in the middle. So uh, it's actually a pretty confusing place to be when it comes to municipal politics, because uh, especially as we look at the races right now, there's sort of some pretty clear left, some pretty clear right, and a whole lot of in between. Um, I like to say I am a Libra, and it comes out in my political stance. <laughs> That's great. R- Raja, how about you? Where do you sit? Should we also do uh, zodiac signs? If we can get into astrology here, I'll throw it up. I'm a Libra, Capricorn rising. Cancer over here. Wow, wow. Um, hello, everyone. I'm a Capricorn. Yes. Nice. Uh, <laughs> and on the political spectrum, I lean very much more towards the left, very much more socialist. Uh, and... That, that very much shows in, in the types of work that I like to do, um, and it, especially when it comes to socially. I, I do a lot of work in terms of, you know, gender equity, gender equality within the city, and then a lot of anti-racism work as well. And I am, you know, excited to see that there are a lot of progressive candidates stepping up to run for city council and, and bring a lot of new ideas 
But the great thing about municipal politics as well is that there's no parties and that it really is just looking for the best representative for your community. Definitely. And, and Cody, where do you identify? Um, I would say generally I'm more of a kind of a policy kind of nerd. And so <laughs> it's sort of kind of difficult for me to place myself on the spectrum in a lot of cases. But uh, I would say generally I'm more right-leaning, but there usually aren't very many parties that I'd fully uh, associate with. And so I think I'm pretty flexible in who I'd vote for in a lot of cases. So digging into this idea of voting and, and this idea of the young vote, or what do you think about when you hear that? Uh, Raja, let's start with you. When I think of the young vote, I do think about, you know, like that freshly out of high school and university. This is actually the first municipal election that I can vote in. Um, <laughs> but I, I do see a lot of, you know, people on social media who are very politically engaged now. They feel more encouraged to kind of speak their mind when it comes to what's happening around them politically or or just socially within their community. Um, and Edmonton is a really young city compared to others. And I, I personally feel like the young vote has the power to really sway where an election could go, especially municipally when the voter turnout is so low, every single vote counts. And when we look at platforms, I think the young vote really looks towards not just what's happening in the immediate future, but long term as well. Cody, what, what do you think about when it comes to the young vote? Um, I largely, largely agree with that. Um, for the young vote, I'd say there's always a handful of people our age who are just like us, sort of political nerds who'd probably vote in every single election. Um, but at the same time, I think the young vote extends quite a bit farther from that. It is actually more about the group of people our age who are not very inclined to vote because the younger someone is, the less likely they are to actually turn out to vote. And so I think the young vote is more trying to target those people who are new to the political process and trying to get them involved, trying to speak to them and get them sort of excited about you as a candidate. And uh, in a way, I think that's a pretty good and strong goal to target the young vote because, like Roger said, they have the most at stake in any election. Mm-hmm. Annika, I mean, you've got a couple years on these guys in terms of being invested in municipal <laughs> politics. Um, working with NextGen, I mean, has that changed how you view the young vote as a concept? Yeah, hugely. Um, and I know, as you said that, Raj, I went, well, this is my third municipal <laughs> election. Um, so, Veteran. Uh, yeah, well, and it's, it is interesting. Um, when we work with NextGen, uh, when we were with the city, we had a very clear age bracket of 18 to 40. And we always found it a little bit um, of a challenge because we said, well, the 18 to 22 to 4-year-old who's perhaps still in uh, post-secondary is very different than a stereotypical 25 to 30, 35-year-old who's maybe a young professional, single or double income, no children. And then you've got the kind of latter end um, which I'm already in with uh, a new kid and young family. Um, Those are very different perspectives. And I think oftentimes candidates or just in general, the conversation about the young vote does sort of say, oh, yeah, it's like that under 40-ish group. But we've seen with NextGen that that group is so incredibly diverse uh, in and of itself demographically. And then further within that, there's so much thought diversity. And I think a lot of times uh, there's voices that are in the media and that 
brush sort of paints the entire quote young vote and it's led to believe that all young voters have this same opinion you know there's a lot of young voters who maybe go okay well, there's a lot of young people in the news and this is what they're saying i have some other perspectives where do i fit in but it is about you know getting folks to care about their city and province and and country when it comes down to it um because I forget the exact stat, but uh, <laughs> if you do not vote in your first eligible election, you are far, far less likely to vote actually ever again. Mm. Um, so it is so, so important that uh, we inspire young folks right off the bat um, and instill a, a sense of kind of civic duty. Yeah. So jumping off that, I mean, what defines you as a voter? Cody, you said you're a policy guy, right? Yeah, uh, I'm a bit nerdy in that way. I don't know if you call it like a policy wonk or what, but I get excited about things like taxes and um, uh, uh, rezoning laws and things like that. So I I think I'm not typical um, towards most voters my age, but uh, I do. I like reading through everyone's platforms and trying to compare, figure out which things I like, which things I don't like. And so I find that the most exciting part of any election is actually going through and just learning what each person stands for and just comparing how they reflect on my own beliefs. And so in that way, I try and keep a pretty open mind as mm-hmm. a voter. I love when anyone says they're excited about taxes. It's always, I'm like, yes, I, I cannot relate, but also like, absolutely. Um, <laughs> That's a different level of excitement, clearly. <laughs> yeah. Roger, what about you? What defines you as a voter? Yeah. Um, you know, I you know, think that when it, well, like personally for me, I think that diversity in council is incredibly important, but not just within our representatives, within the policies that they present as well. Um, I want it to be holistically representative of the different people within the community that they serve. How do they think they're going to be the best public servant for all demographics within their community? You know, I when I think about voting as well, I do think about bringing gender parity onto city council since we only have two women serving on city council at the moment. We've never elected a BIPOC woman onto city council. So I really want to see that diverse representation. When it comes to diverse representation in council, you get a diverse range of policies as well that you wouldn't have otherwise if everyone in the room looked the same. Right. Yeah, definitely. Annika, I mean, you touched on a, a couple things that kind of identify you as a voter, but what about you? It's been an interesting experience to become a parent. Um, It's taught me a lot about how to look at it from a little bit more of a holistic perspective, like you said, Raja, and uh, not just, um, well, this is what works for me today. (laughs) Um, Because I look at my past self already and I go, whoa, I was really not that compassionate towards some other experiences as I'm now embarking on, you know, I took my first plane ride with my child and he was wailing (laughs) and I was going... Oh, shoot. I was totally this guy in the row in front of me who's glaring at me right now. Um, And so I think, you know, it's a small teachable moment. But uh, I think as a voter, I've really started to look at it from, you know, how is an Edmontonian from every life stage going to experience uh, the, the policies, platforms and intentions that these candidates have? So, uh, folks, this time around, I mean, obviously, leadership is going to be a, a big focus uh, during this election. And um, Don Iveson is uh, exiting stage left, so to speak, a new mayor for the first time in eight years. So I want to ask uh, each of you, you know, how, how important 
is this new leadership uh, going to be for our city? Uh, I think it's having new leadership is always very important, I think, especially in municipal politics, because there's so few politicians that really represent such a huge city. You have 12 councillors and one mayor, I believe, mm -hmm. and uh, it, it's very difficult for that many people to represent over a million citizens, right? Yeah. And so having that new leadership and trying to have a fresh face keeps them, I think, ideally uh, more relatable, more representative, and helps really represent the diverse opinions and uh, lifestyles and point of views of every uh, Edmontonian in the city. And so I think it's pretty exciting. There's a, a new chance for representation in the city. It's interesting. Um, you know, I, we've, we're obviously very fresh off of the federal election. <laughs> um, yeah. And I don't know how many people I spoke to that said, I really just wish I could have voted for my local representative and then also voted for prime minister separately. Yeah. And I thought it was a little bit funny to hear that as we approach the municipal election where we do cast to vote both for mayor as well as councillor and, well, many other things this time around. I have right. to do like some serious reading <laughs> before I go um, <laughs> this year. But it's not like being the CEO of an organization where you really do set the, the vision if you're the mayor, but you're outnumbered by those other councillors completely on all of your policy, that vision's really not going to come to fruition. Right. So being able to broker um, relationships and form pathways to get your platform done is really a part of it. So mm -hmm. the charisma of that person and their ability to play nice with others right. uh, is actually really going to come into play in terms of execution on these plans. And we see how much both, uh, you know, Nenshi and Iveson have really elevated a lot of, uh, depending who you speak to, but to, yeah. to many folks have really elevated the profile of these two major cities in Alberta across the country and perhaps even internationally in certain contexts. So I do think that ultimately this person is representing us and they're going to be the face of our city. So it may only be one vote, but I think for me it's important that that person can play well with others so that their right. vision can actually come to life. Um, and also that Edmonton is well represented and taken seriously and is seen as a place that really attracts other people to come to our city and live in our city. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think, I think you bring up a good point, taken seriously. I mean, we've all seen what happens when you aren't taken seriously. Uh, Raja, how about yourself? I had Mayor Iveson and Stephen Mandel as my mayors for a large chunk of my life. Right. And then they they really helped to define certain things uh, about like the character of our city. But at the same time, we were also growing at an exponential rate. Um, we kept sprawling outward and, and had a deep increase in our population as well. So even though now the character of our city has actually really changed. And um, as mentioned, it's up to the mayor to kind of set the tone for city council. And they're going to be the ones representing our city when people outside of Edmonton look towards our city um, and look towards our leadership. That's going to be the face. Yeah. And also historically, we have had a long history of white men in the role of mayor. Mm -hmm. um, we only had one female mayor before in Edmonton's history, right? which was Jan Reimer. And we've never had a racialized person step into the role of mayor before. 
So let me let me stick with you for the next question. Then I mean, how do you think this election could change the course of the city? Because we'll see minimum uh, at least three new councillors and new mayor. That that's some change already right there, right? And and that could have an impact on on where we go, whether it's forward, whether we stay stagnant, or you know, uh, moving forward. What what do you think about that? Yeah, it's a real opportunity to kind of fully change the representation that we're seeing on our city. Um, with the federal election, it and now with the municipal election, it really feels like we're able to to kind of change the tides. And um, the the great thing about municipal politics is that you get such a direct link to your local politicians. Um, it's someone you can actually have direct correspondence with, and you feel the effects of the decisions that they make in your everyday life. Whether it is you know the garbage pickup or the snow removal and potholes within your community. You feel it deeply and very personally because it all manifests on a local level. Um, And even the big things like housing or when you talk about climate change, when you talk about diversity, Mm -hmm. those big topics also are felt and manifested on a local level. So I think this time around, when we are looking towards our future city council, we have a real opportunity to see us achieve things like gender parity. I think we could see the first woman of color ever be elected Mm -hmm. as a city councilor, which is a pretty big deal. Uh, Absolutely. When you tell that stat to someone, they think, I've never noticed that before, but now that you've pointed (laughs) it out, I can't forget it. And we're also seeing a lot of younger candidates step up as well. Um, So that will also pretty much make an impact because I think the youngest person on city council is in their mid-30s. And we, you know, the youngest person who's ever sat on council was Margaret Crane in 1933. She was 23 years old. But now we've kind of seen it spring back and we've had pretty much older representation sitting on city council. Right. The changes in the, the faces on the council really change, uh, opens up opportunities how Edmonton will deal with the future. I think Edmonton is at a pretty interesting place right now, especially with the pandemic. I believe there's a lot of financial issues facing a lot of um, municipal uh, governments across Canada. Mm-hmm. And so being able to address that in the upcoming times will be very important. At the same time, I think there's going to be a lot of opportunities for investment in, into cities, especially from uh, foreign investment and trying to attract and grow growth in our own cities as well. So I think having that new um, new outlook on it will really determine how and if uh, we can grow our city and what we focus on and what we can actually use this investment or growth or whatever it be actually address whatever issues that each candidate is really concerned about. Annika? As always, it will be interesting. You mentioned that there are some open seats for councillors and uh, not having McKean or Henderson back is uh, a pretty, although all the councillors, again, yes, it's an equal vote, but I I definitely feel that they have some prominence. They're a part of a lot of more prominent projects that the city has undertaken. Um, So I think that uh, that will be interesting to see who replaces them. But I think following right after this federal election where I saw on Twitter, someone said, why, yes, 
Edmonton is the Austin of Alberta or something <laughs> along those lines. Um, we saw three non-blue seats. So um, you see that sort of shift to, uh, you know, the progressive mindset. So yes, this council, whoever's on council always has the ability to make a really great influence and impact on our city. Um, I'm just really interested to see if that will be in a collective direction or if it will be more so kind of this like likability thing that it has historically been. Right. Um, I guess it doesn't really directly answer the question, but I just <laughs> but it's, I I mean, it's a part a of, lot it. Yeah. of it to be very fascinating to see how it will shake out this time around. Yeah. Um, because Edmonton as a city is kind of morphing into this identity of this progressive haven. That's not everyone. No. Um, and when you talk to most people, even those who would say they're really on the progressive end, they do care about not having skyrocketing property tax and being a place where innovative businesses want to come. Right. So it's not all or nothing, but people see it that way sometimes. Anyway, it'll just be very fascinating to see how it irons out because I think the other political levels, uh, the prominence of the provincial government in our day-to-day -day lives with the pandemic management, yeah. as well as the recent federal election, I think are going to have more of an influence on this municipal election than they typically would have. Yeah, no, that's um, a fair point. Yeah, yeah. and I, I don't know how. I'm not a mind reader right. or no oracle crystal or ball. anything. Yeah, I'd make a lot more money if I, <laughs> if I could predict things like that. But right. uh, I am genuinely very curious to see how it pans out. Yeah, I mean, you can't help but think that that will have an impact. I want to talk about the federal election, for mm -hmm. sure, because it's been brought up a few times. It did just happen. Um, so I think we also have a little PTSD. But it's still early days. Um, the advanced poll estimates, though, they're kind of suggesting that there was an increase in voter turnout. So do you think that this could translate into an increase in voter engagement for this municipal election? Will people be more or less eager to cast a ballot given everything that's going on? Cody, um, you know, you talked a bit about how the challenge of getting young people to vote. What do you think it's going to look like right now? Um, I'm not entirely sure, but I'm a bit curious. I kind of wonder, just talking to some friends and family, and you kind of get the sense that people are a bit confused that there's mm -hmm. two elections going on at the same time. People didn't really... Um, clue in that there was two separate elections. People thought either they'd go in and they'd vote for both municipal and federal at the same time, mm, wow. or they thought they were just kind of merged into one le uh, election. And the municipal election's been going on a bit longer than the federal one did. And so you had a mix of lawn signs. You had a mix of messaging on the news. And I think especially if people had a, a bad experience in lineups and things like that in uh, the federal election, I kind of do wonder, and I hope it's not the case, but you could see maybe a lower turnout than expected mm. because you do have that sort of confusion and maybe a, a bad taste in people's mouth because a lot of people are also saying the federal election seemed a bit pointless. That's just sort of my hunch is that people are a bit confused by the the different dates and stuff of the actual election days and the mixture of signs and the mixture of messaging you see on the news. Yeah. Annika, I mean, no crystal ball, um, but I saw some nodding going on there. Do you think that there might be an impact on voter engagement? Yeah, I mean, it's always, uh, you could convince yourself either way, right? Um, I mean, you could say people are, if they're infuriated about what happened federally, they're going to show up municipally. Or you could say they're so frustrated by the federal happenings that they're going to be apathetic. So I think it could really unfold in any direction. Um 
but I do think that um, it it will come down to whether people are inspired enough by the mayoral candidates to show up for them, because I think that that, um, at least in my circles, so a very anecdotally assum- anecdotal assumption, but uh, the mayor is the the big one. Even we live in O'Damon currently, so that councillor vote is going to be a big one, but. <laughs> It comes down to me, and if no one is really inspiring enough or leading out enough, then I think people will go, ugh, there's so many things I have to research. I have to vote for mayor and counselor and school uh, district representative, as well as these referendums. What are the referendums? Like, (laughs) I've talked to a few people who are like, can I go and just ask for one ballot? Like, I don't actually want to vote on the other things because I don't know what to do. And you know, you try and provide education, but at a certain point, people are busy. And I think that that, to me, it's exciting. I get to cast, I, I'm pretty chatty, so you can probably guess I love giving my opinion on paper too. <laughs> but um, I think it's a little bit of a deterrent for some folks. So A very balanced Libra answer. Um, <laughs> Roger, I saw lots of nodding going on there too. A- anything else to add? Do you think that the federal election may influence voter engagement this time around? Yeah, even... Uh, as you started this segment off, uh, you used the word traumatized and, you know, very true. I think we're feeling a lot of, like, election fatigue. But also, yeah. yeah, absolutely. And also that, um, like, pandemic burnout where people are just kind of exhausted and tired. Mm. Um, but you did see a lot of people still turning out to vote, which was really encouraging. Um like Annika said, every single vote counted. I'm also in O'Damon slash Edmonton Center. Uh, so election night was very nerve wracking. Um, and I I just hope that all candidates are making their campaigns accessible to people so that they understand, you know, when advanced voting dates are, when election day is, the difference between jurisdiction between municipalities versus provincial and federally. And hopefully people feel inspired enough to go to the polls on election day and and make their vote really count. Mm -hmm. Now, I want to do a fun exercise. I want everyone to believe, because they are, obviously, believe that all the candidates for everything are listening right now. We're just under a month until people vote. Um, What's the one topic that you want to throw on the table to be discussed for the next month? Raja, what about you? There's so many. (laughs) I need you to pick one. You got to pick a fave. (laughs) I think mobility within our city is a big one, not just in terms of transit, but also our, and and not just, you know, our roads, but um, when it comes to different modes of transportation, we also need to talk about pedestrian dignity um, because the way that people experience our city is directly related to how they move through our city. Um, And we've also been seeing the increased hate crimes towards black Muslim women specifically when they are using transit or waiting at their bus stop. So there is that safety aspect that needs to be brought into it as well that I think candidates should be thinking more of. You know, this is also just like a bonus. This was my way of tying in something else. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my bad. Uh, But, you know, with with that piece, I, I also want candidates to kind of talk about how they're best situated to represent different cultural groups and different diverse groups. 
because we are seeing that influx of hate crimes happening within our city. We've seen the, the attacks on Gurdwaras happening in South Edmonton. So how, as representatives, would you tackle issues like that when mm-hmm. our community may be feeling divided or maybe feeling attacked? Mm-hmm. That was sneaky, but well done. Um, <laughs> Cody, throw a topic on the table. What do you want to hear people talk about? Um, I'd agree that transit is definitely a big thing for me as well. But for me personally, I have uh, this may be a bit of a unique take, but uh, for me, I've always been really interested and passionate about historical architecture because I am a history major. And so there's sort of some crossover there for me. And Edmonton used to be a very, very historical city. We used to have a lot of very cool, old, historic buildings. And unfortunately, especially in the 60s, 70s, 80s, a lot of these buildings were demolished and replaced by maybe some not so adequate replacements. There still are some very important historical artifacts in our city, but at the same time, there's also a lot under threat. And there's always talk about um, wanting to build Edmonton to try and make it a world-class city, even competing with Calgary downtown and things like that. But before we worry about wasting and spending money on all these giant projects and stuff, we should worry about protecting what we already have. Yeah. Mm, I like that. Annika, you get one. One topic. <laughs> throw it on the table. Give her. Uh, in my mind, this bridges off of Cody, but it maybe <laughs> sounds like it contradicts a bit, but building like a, a downtown that is mm. a vibrant attraction in this city. And I think that comes into it being a world class city. I think that you know, ties into a lot of other things. I'm not saying knock down things I want to save on your door too. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think as a proud downtown dweller, I would love for the downtown of Edmonton to be the destination that downtowns are in other cities, um, not only in this country, but across the world. Um, so there's a lot of factors in there. I could I could sneak in a lot. <laughs> no I'll let more. you use your imagination. No. I'm just going to say a destination downtown. <laughs> Roger destination ruined it for downtown. everyone. I she know. was too sneaky. Dang even, it. Even Cody managed to be like, well, transit and. It was her sound effects. <laughs> <laughs> threw us for a loop. Um, <laughs> I, I want to ask you guys about uh, candidates. And I mean, there's so many ways for them to reach out now, right? Whether it's their signage or pamphlets or their social media presence or maybe even at your door. Like, I, I don't I don't know if they've been doing that. I haven't seen any at my door. But um, uh, what, you know, what does a candidate have to do to convince you that they're the right person to represent you? Cody, let's start with you. Uh, definitely outreach is very important for me. I've in the past volunteered for a few different candidates, um, Mm -hmm. mostly in federal and provincial politics. And in every case, it's because they came to me, knocked at my door, introduced themselves, and really pitched themselves to me. And Mm -hmm. that really made me just want to help them out and got me involved in the process. However, in this last federal election, not a single person knocked on my door at all. And I understand that's because of COVID and things like that. And so it's very difficult for candidates to do any kind of outreach currently. And I'm not really sure what is the best solution for that. But I think there definitely is a need to really put yourself out there and connect to your constituents and really introduce yourself in a meaningful way. Uh, Here is another issue of downtown. I live in a condo. No one door knocks condos. Part of that is uh, because 
we have all sorts of different fobs and things yeah. to um, secure it. So uh, that's all well and good, but it is a challenge because there's a whole lot of density and a whole lot of people down here that would probably absolutely love to connect with people. And um, I am the dinosaur of this particular trio. So <laughs> I uh, prefer an in-person right. um, old fashioned at my door, which it sounds like Cody does too, honestly. But mm-hmm. I think I said it before. I, I find that relatability has a really, is a really big factor, especially in municipal politics when you're not also voting for a party while voting for a candidate, it's truly voting for a candidate. So I think that ability to feel like a candidate is relatable and accessible to you is um, the most effective thing would be on the doors. Um, And now I understand COVID is a battle in that, but at the same time, you know, it's been a pretty nice summer and fall. And I think people could, uh, you know, say hello from a doorstep quite simply. And so I think that if you are not willing to put your boots on the ground and work your butt off to earn my vote, what are you going to do when you're already sitting in the office? Good point. So I think that that effort is proof of concept in terms of how hard you'll work on council. And I think that uh, whether people directly make that correlation or not, it matters. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, Raja, how about you? Have you have you been able to get that relatability vibe or engagement vibe? I'm a, I'm more of just a, a social media person myself. Sure. Um, you're not if alone. I'm interested, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, if I'm interested in a candidate, I may slide into the DMs, mm. ask them a couple questions that way. And cool. if, and as a child of immigrants, uh, if someone came to our door, we would not answer it. We'd be like, "Oh, stranger, let's not <laughs> let's not answer." Or you know, my Lola would be like, "I'm yeah. so sorry, I actually don't speak English, English. Yeah. so I can't actually understand what you're trying to tell me about your platform and about the election." Turn the TV um, down. Right. <laughs> yeah. And so on that end, I've had to kind of always do research and, and kind of convey to my family what a candidate's trying to tell them. So a, a classic piece of paper, classic flyer drop is always effective for us hmm. um, to kind of make our own decisions. And I think the relatability is a important thing now because if you see them on social media being active um yeah it translates to their accessibility as a candidate as a community leader representative um you know that they're easy to be reached and you you know that they'll be there if you need them if you have questions for them they're not scared to get off their butts so to speak Mm mm-hmm we hear a lot about that idea, every vote counts, your voice matters. There's really a lot of lip service there. But I want to ask you guys, do you actually feel that your voice and your vote can make a difference to the kind of city that we create? Annika, let's start with you. Uh, absolutely. I, I don't think I could do what I do in the community and tell people to vote <laughs> as enthusiastically <laughs> if I, as I do if I didn't truly believe it to my core. Um, and I think... The important thing to remember is that even if whoever you vote for doesn't win, it doesn't mean your voice wasn't heard. If you look at an Edmonton Centre, how close that race was, 
okay, you know, the conservative candidate, the new Democrat candidate, they did not win. But how inspired and rallied do you think their camps are? And how united do you think that those voters are in knowing, hey, there are more people like me here. Hey, we could actually probably really get together and win this next one. Mm. Um, the power of placing your vote where it has truly been earned and what that does in terms of, you know, inspiring candidates and also showing folks for the next election, like, hey, you nearly lost this. <laughs> um, you know, your vote always counts in terms of how people interpret their wins and losses and how they might be inspired to win again um, and how they might pivot next time or even make decisions on council should they be elected in knowing that a certain percentage of people had those other values or mm -hmm. or valued those priorities, I should say. Uh, because I vote for policy, I think definitely voting for the issues that matter really is important. Even I live in a pretty safe riding. It's pretty predictable who's going to win. It, it's it's pretty uh, important to just vote for the issues that matter to you. And the politician or their st strategic cheat team will eventually look at how you place your vote and they'll look at how the election turned out and they'll hopefully change what they uh, stand for in the future Future if they don't uh, quite represent the issues that matter to you. Your vote does matter and it is important to vote the way that best represents you as a person. Mm -hmm. Raja, take us home. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm honored. Um, Absolutely, every single vote counts. And you see in municipal elections, um, candidates winning by hundreds of votes, by 500 votes. Regardless of how the vote goes, they're not just serving the population that voted for them, they're serving the entire community. Um, so if they won by 30% of the vote, they're like, oh, I have some work to do within the community. So I hope that everyone who listens to this is really inspired to take the time to figure out where they stand on issues, where they stand on platform points, what's really important to them when it comes to heading to the polls and finding out who to vote for. Yeah. Well, I, I want to thank you all for joining us today and for helping us kick off the Young Vote series here on the podcast. Um, thank you so much. Great job, guys. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. The Loop is a weekly podcast from CBC Edmonton. And our team this week is Min Darwal, Leslie Goldstone, Corey Haberstock, Chris Martin, Christina Silva, and James Evans. Our theme music is Change Your Mind by Edmonton musician John Common. And I'm Claire Bonnyman. Thank you so much for listening. And a reminder, for the next three episodes, we're digging into our series, The Young Vote, with Edmonton's Next Gen. So let us know what you think. You can email theloop at cbc.ca. Tell us what's on your mind heading into our municipal election October 18th. And if you do email, you could win something. Freebie alert. Yeah, you could win a The Loop tote bag and Ooh. keep cup, a.k.a. a reusable coffee mug that looks real nice. I saw that. Plus a shiny loop pin. People love pins. People love pins. You could win all this before Min even gets his hands on it. Your cup, uh, yeah, that, that was some pretty good loop <laughs> swag. So, yeah, definitely stay tuned. Uh, there's so much more to know, so you can check out a new loop episode every Friday. We will, of course, be tweeting it out on our Twitter accounts. Claire, you are at... Nami Knob. Oh, it's so good. I'm so Nailed proud. Nailed it. Well done. And of course, I'm at Mindarawal Street. <laughs> just my first last name. So you boring. Know. Yeah. 
I didn't uh, really get creative when I made that one up. But uh, <laughs> either way, yeah, check us out on Twitter. We are certainly there. And you can uh, leave us a rating or a review wherever you download the show. Use the hashtag the loop CBC on social media or reach out to us. And of course, follow the show on CBC Listen or your favorite podcasting app. Just do it. Okay, so why don't I take the beginning all the way down to shiny loop pin? Yeah. And then you can go and stay tuned. There's so much more to know, so you can check out a new loop episode every Friday, blah, 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 and take it from there. You want to ask me what your Twitter account is? Because I know it this time. Do you want me to? Nah, I mean, no. Are you ready? Have you been practicing? I haven't been practicing. I just looked at it. Uh, I think that counts as practicing. <laughs> yeah, that is. That totally counts as practicing. So, sorry, you want me to go to You Could Win the Loop? Um, I'll, no. So, I'll You're going to get that. I can say that line and end okay. on shiny loop pin. And then you can say, and stay tuned. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. WKRP in Cincinnati. Till the loop on the CBC. Okay. Okay. Ah. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.